Well, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, in honor of uh, Mother's Day today, I thought we'd preach about being delivered from evil. Uh, so it fits, sure, why not? You can take that however you want to take it. Uh, but thought we'd keep going through Matthew 6 here. Uh, I mean, as we've been looking and, and, and just, just delving into the Lord's Prayer here, one of the reasons we're... Uh, we're focusing on, on deliver us from evil is one, the Lord is teaching us to pray this. So we want to go and see what the Bible tells us already about evil and being delivered from it. And, and the reality is that the Christian church is, is woefully ill-equipped for spiritual warfare. I mean, we just, we just have no idea. We don't, we don't talk about it. Uh, if we do uh, somehow manage to talk about it, we do it with, with very little discussion, normally about the demonic. Uh, our discussions of spiritual warfare, and, and when I was growing up, we were talking about spiritual warfare. It was all, it, spiritual warfare just ended up being sort of dwindled away into just like my own sort of personal temptations to sin. Like that was, there was no, there was no understanding of, of outside forces or the importance of the demonic realm or the importance of uh, the evil one and, and and all that. So for many, when we hear spiritual warfare, uh, it, it's, it's not something that is, that is dealing with being delivered from, uh, from the evil one or being delivered from evil. And yet the, being ill-equipped is not something that we have to be because God has not left us ill-equipped. God has, uh, is, and will deliver us from evil. And so he does that by preparing us for these wars that we are in, for these wars and the battles that we will face in our uh, temptations to sin that come from both within and without. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read this Lord's Prayer, focusing again on this last phrase and, and making sure that if, if the Lord expects us uh, to be soldiers of Christ and truth arrayed, uh, that we would know what is expected of us as, as his soldiers and that we would be prepared for the battles that we will face. Beginning in verse 9, Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So last week we started, we, we, we looked at how to fight well, that, that, that the Christian, uh, so, so here we are, we're soldiers in this war. God has told us that we're soldiers. He's called us as soldiers. He's equipped us as soldiers. Uh, he, he's encouraged us as soldiers. All these things. So we're these soldiers in this spiritual war that we're a part of with particular battles that we will, uh, that we will face. We saw if we're going to do that well, if we're going to fight well, not only do we need to understand the right equipment that we need to have, the armor of the Lord, the sword of the spirit that we've got to have and use the right way. We don't just need the right equipment to fight well. We need the right motivation. The, the question of why am I fighting? And so we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we saw that the Christian is motivated to not get tangled up in a normal life. They make sure they go out of the way to make sure they don't get all to never get so braided up in the doings of life that they forget that they are ever and always soldiers. We are motivated. Part of our motivation is if you want to, if you want to fight well, if you want to be a soldier who's fighting against evil well, one of the things you've got to do is make sure you're motivated to not get tied up in the things of this world. 
It's not just, again, it's not just that, hey, a soldier doesn't get tied up in the things of this world. It's that a soldier is motivated to make sure he doesn't, that he doesn't get braided up in them. Again, that doesn't mean that you don't participate in the things of the world. It means you don't get braided up in them. They never become your driving purpose. You dominate them. They don't dominate you. We're motivated to not let that happen. But that's only one side of the coin in that text. That's only one side of that coin in that 2 Timothy 2 text. And you could say not even the chief side of the coin. It's not even the heads, it's the tails. We're motivated to not get braided up in the normal things of life. Why? Because we have a driving motivation that is going to direct all of our pursuits. So let's take a look at 2 Timothy 2 again. Look at 2 Timothy 2. Go down to verse 3 and let's get the second half of our motivation. What is motivating us as Christ's soldiers? What is mo- if you're going to be a soldier who's going to fight against evil well, what has got to be your motivation? Okay, I'm not going to get braided up in the things of this world. I'm not going to get tied up in them. I'm not going to get ensnared in them in the normal doings of life. I'm not going to forget that I'm a soldier. But what else? Beginning in verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. No soldier gets braided up in the doings of life. Since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So why is it? that we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in the doings of life. Don't get caught up in the sort of purposeless processes of existence. The reason we make sure we don't get braided up in the normal things of life isn't because the normal things of life are evil. It's because we want to please the one who enlisted us. There's no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Why? In order that, this is our motivation, in order that, to, to please the one who soldiered us, the one who made us soldiers. Now, that the word aim there is not really in the text. It's just, it's just the word in order that, in order that they might do this. We don't get tangled up in order to please the one who enlisted us. Which is interesting because I think that teaches us a few things. One, as Christians, as Christian soldiers, we love the war. We love the war against evil. So the fact that not only do we love the war, we love the one who who got us into the war. We desire to please the one who got us into this war. I mean, when you're thinking about what's going on here in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, and you're thinking about the Christian life and us being soldiers, we are not a volunteer army here. It doesn't say to please the one that you first met when you decided to soldier yourself. We don't, we don't, we, we don't choose, we are enlisted as soldiers. Remember, how did we get into this war? How did we get into this? Not, not by choice, but because, what does he say? Because he pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us in the kingdom of his son. That's how we got here. That we got out of the domain of darkness and we we're put in the kingdom of his son. He didn't say, hey, I've got a war. Who wants to be a part of it? He says, I'm going to take these. Soldiers of the kingdom of domain of darkness and I put them in the kingdom of the sun. And that's what, that's what brought this whole spiritual battle on. Because otherwise, remember, the evil has no problem with us. Evil, evil has no, has, is not at war with us. We're on its side. But when we, when we are saved, when we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of the sun, all of a sudden the battle starts. The war begins.
normally in situations like this where someone doesn't choose to be a part of a war, but where someone's just put in a war, normally what you get is you don't love the one who placed you in a war. I mean, there are plenty of movies you can watch about people who are, who are in a war they don't want to be in. And they don't love the people who put them in that war. But that's not the case with the Christians here. Our new role as soldiers came with new eyes and new hearts. And now we want to please the one who put us in this war. We want to please the one who enlisted us in a war, who enlisted us in a war we at first knew nothing about. And yet now the fact that we're enlisted brings us joy. Our new role with new eyes makes us, makes us not, not hate the one who enlisted us, but to love him. We love the one who made us a soldier. We love the one who put a target on our backs. In fact, we love him so much. We so want to please him that we make sure nothing takes our eyes off of the fact that we're soldiers. In order that we might please the one who enlisted us. The Christian loves the war and the Christian loves the one who put them in this war. They love the one who enlisted them. They love the one who got them in the war. So if that's our motivation, if that's the motivation behind our fighting, to please the Lord. For the Christian, there it is. That's the driving motive. Is this why you make sure you don't get braided up in the doings of life? This is why you don't just sort of go through life and then on Sundays you try to please the Lord, but you make sure there's nothing in this world that will dominate you, nothing that will make you forget that you're a soldier everywhere at all times, battling against evil, advancing the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. Wherever you are, every square inch that you exist, every word that comes off your mouth, every thought in your head, it is for the king. And you will battle evil in every step. You'll never forget that you're a soldier. You'll never get so braided up. But why? Why do you make sure you never get braided up in those things? Because you want to please the one who enlisted you. Because you want to please the one who made you a soldier. Because you want to please the one who put you in this war. That's our motivation. And if we want to fight well, that's got to be our driving motivation is I'm doing everything out of a desire to please the Lord. That's what drives everything that I do. So, I mean, if that's our motivation, then a good question you can ask in any fight, in any situation, and what you're doing is, is what I'm doing pleasing? Does this please the Lord? Does this please the Lord? People always ask, you know, if you want to do something, ask, is this holy? Or ask, is it, those are fine questions, fine questions. But if you want to be a soldier going at war against evil, you ask yourself in every situation, does this please the Lord? And if it doesn't please the Lord, then why am I doing it? Because my aim in all things is to please the Lord. Does this please? And and that's a question. That's a question you can ask in every fight, in every situation. That's a question you can ask in every moment of every fight. Because then it might be that you got into a particular battle that was very pleasing for the Lord for you to get into, but it might be 30 seconds, five minutes into that battle, all of a sudden the things you're saying are not very pleasing to the Lord. You might have started the battle desiring to please the Lord. You might have started the battle, oh, I'm going to glorify God. And then a few minutes into it, you start, man, you start to get frustrated. You start to do whatever. And and so the whole, not only can you ask the question, does this please the Lord about every fight? Do I get into this fight or do I not? Do I deal with this right now or do I not? Well, does this, should I do this or not? Well, does that please the Lord? Okay, so not only can you do that when you're looking at every fight, every situation, as a soldier, you can ask that same question every moment of those situations. Am I pleasing the Lord in how I'm handling this? Am I pleasing the Lord now? Because again, pleasing the Lord is what's to be 
our motivation even to start the fight. So, so if we don't even get into a fight unless it pleases the Lord, then certainly at every moment of the fight or moment of the battle against evil, we should be able to ask, does this please the Lord? The, the war pleases the Lord, this battle pleases the Lord, but is the way I'm fighting pleasing to the Lord? I might be right, but I'm, am I a godly version of right? I might, I might be correct in fighting this battle, but am I fighting this battle in a way that brings glory to my king? Am I fighting this in a way that would please him? I might be fighting it and that pleases the Lord, but am I fighting it in a way that pleases him? And when it comes to particular fights and battles, you can look at both the macro and micro level. You can look at the history of the fight. You can look at the history of the situation and say, what was, what was my motivation for getting into this to begin with? Sort of the bird's eye view. You can look at the fight itself. Is this situation pleasing to the Lord? And, and if you're not sure or if you know that it's not, then quit fighting, or, or at least I would say fight back. Because at that point, see, I think the, prob- the problem for us as Christians is not that we're not fighting. The problem for us as Christians is normally we're fighting for the other side when we're fighting incorrectly. So when you, let's say, for example, you and your spouse get into a discussion that starts to go nuclear or whatever, uh, and you start, the problem isn't, that the answer isn't quit fighting, the, the answer is, no, 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 just, or, or the answer isn't start fight. Start to fight. You've got to fight for this. What you've got to realize is, no, you've been fighting. You've just been fighting for the wrong team. When you're, when you're doing things in an evil way, when you're allowing your thoughts, your words, your intentions to be evil, it's not that you're not fighting. And you've got to start, men, you need to start fighting. Men, you've got to start fighting. The problem isn't that we're not fighting. The problem is that we're fighting for the other team. When you're being a lazy husband, you're not just not fighting. You're just not doing anything. You're fighting for the enemy. You're you're, you're doing what he would want you to do. So what we need for men is not for us to stand up and start doing something. What we need to realize is when we think we're not doing something, we're actually doing a lot for the enemy. You've been fighting. You've been fighting for the wrong side. So stop and start trying to please the one who enlisted you. Try to please him. Desire to please him. Let that be your chief motivation. To ask yourself, is this pleasing to my general? Think of yourself as a soldier. Think of yourself as a soldier. Is this pleasing to my general? Is this pleasing to the king who knighted me? Or is it not? And I will tell you, that will, if, you, if you ask yourself that question all along the route, you ask yourself that before you get into any situation, you ask yourself that before any word comes off your mouth, it will change how you fight. But I tell you, that's the way every soldier does. No soldier does a, a, a spray and pray. No one does that, right? No soldier just goes, does that make you happy? No one does that. They know exactly what they're supposed to do and they handle every situation in light of what would the man above me want me to do? What am I commanded to do? And if we started thinking about that as Christians, if that started being our motivation, I will be motivated in everything with this question. Does this please the one who made me his soldier? Does this please my king or does it not? I guarantee you that would change. That would, it would not, it would less make it that we quit doing things and more make it that when we did things, we did it in light of pleasing him. That would be our driving factor in all that we do. And it should be. If you're a soldier and you want to fight evil well, you've got to make sure that your motivation is, I want to do what is pleasing to the Lord. That's the first thing. 
We've got it. If you want to fight well, what do you have to do? Your motivation. I'm not going to get tied up in this world. I'm not going to get braided up in the things of the world. I'm going to make sure that I don't. I'm going to go out of my way to guarantee that I don't. And with that, what's the positive? That's the negative side. What's the positive side? I'm going to do everything in order that I please the Lord, that I please the one who enlisted me. Because when I think of, am I, gonna, am I pleasing the one who enlisted me? I'm reminding myself, I'm a soldier. I'm not just a person. I'm not just an entity. I'm a soldier. So by pleasing the one who enlisted me, soldier, he enlisted you, is what you're doing pleasing to him. You want to fight well, you've got to keep those realities in your head and you've got to be motivated by that love for the Lord, that desire to please him. But what level of motivation are we talking about here? I want to please the Lord. Well, what, what sort of, what are, what, what's some examples that we can, uh, from text that we can get to judge the level of motivation for my desire to please the Lord? How, how deep is that desire to please the Lord? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I, I said that aim isn't in the text in 2 Timothy 2, but it, but it is. Uh, here in 2 Corinthians 5, well, kind of, it is. It's actually, I would translate it different, but still, you're going to see why. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, at least there's a word here. Uh, look, look at what it says. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So whether, and here we're going to see pleasing the Lord, pleasing the Lord, bringing this back in. Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Now, the word there for aim is, is a combination of two words, the word for precious and the, the word for love. It's a, it's a combo word, precious love. In other words, pleasing the Lord for the Christian is not a duty to us. It is ours. So whether home or away, we make it our precious love, our Timae philos, Philadelphia, the uh, philos, that, that version of love, Timae preciousness, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Timae blood of Jesus Christ, honorable, something we cherish, uh, honor everyone, the Timae, treat them as precious. That's what we're supposed to do. That, so that's, the, that's what we're supposed to have here. We make it our precious love. To please him. For the Christian, serving the Lord, pleasing the Lord is not a duty for us. It is our precious love. We fight to please the Lord, and pleasing him is our precious love. And, and here, that's where we see the depth, the depth of our motivation. What sort of level of motivation are we talking about when we say a soldier wants to please his Lord, that he wants to please this master, that he wants to please the one who enlists him? For the, for the Christian, for the, for the Christian soldier, for us to, to fight right, pleasing the Lord must not just be a, a motivation to us, not just be what motivates us. It should be our precious love. We love to please the Lord, and it's not even just a love, it's a precious love. We, lo- we love pleasing him, and we love that we love pleasing him. We, it is a precious love to us that we are desiring to please him. We love that we love to please the master. We love that we desire to please him. It is our precious love. And think, isn't that true? When you think about your, your Christian life, don't you love it? When you love him, don't you love the fact that you love him? Isn't your love for the Lord something precious to you? Don't you love it when you're, you're serving him and, and you love that you love serving him? I mean, some of those are some of the most precious times in our Christian lives. 
where we're serving the Lord and we love serving the Lord and we look at ourselves serving the Lord and we love that we love serving him. It is precious to us. It's a precious love for us to please him. Pleasing him is our precious love. But here we see that's the mind of a fighter. That's the mind of a fighter who genuinely loves and serves their, their general, their king. They love serving. It's a precious love to please him. And all you got to do is go back and watch some, you know, 1940s World War II movies. Uh, and you're going to you go watch uh, White Christmas or something. Uh, and you're going to see what, it, what is it? What is it when you've got people who love serving the person they serve? Where they chant, it is a precious love to them to serve the one who's enlisted. For the Christian, that's what it's supposed to be. Whether home or away, we make it our precious love to please him. Our precious love. We don't just serve the Lord because we have to. A a Christian fighter, a Christian soldier. We don't just please the Lord because that's what you've got to do. And your enlister's up there and he's like, you're going to do it or else, you know, give me 50 push-ups or something like that. It's not not what's going on, right? He's just pleasing the Lord because if we don't, things go bad. We're pleasing the Lord. We just please the Lord because that's what we're supposed to do. We please the Lord because that's our precious love. We love that we love to please the Lord. We love it. Pleasing the Lord is a precious love to us. That's the level of motivation we're talking about. It is a precious love to please the Lord. For a soldier of Christ, it is a precious love to please our God. You love that you love to please him. You love that you love pleasing him. So whether home or away, you're not saying, does this please, you're not going into a situation going, well, I really want to do this, but I got to ask. Does this please the Lord? You know, uh, oh, great, it doesn't. Well, there goes all my fun. Uh, You're going into it. It is your precious love to please. So when you're looking at something going, should I do this or not? Should I get into this fight or not? Should I handle this here or not? What about this in my life? Should I do that in my life? Parenting, should I parent like this? Children, when you're looking at your parents, you say, I really want to say this to them because I'm stupid and I don't know it yet uh, or whatever. And you're, and you're looking at that and saying, what do I say? You need to ask, does this please or not? What is, does this please Lord? Oh, it doesn't please him. I can't do it. No, you're recognizing. It's, I love, love pleasing the Lord. It is a precious love to me. And so I want to know, does this please the Lord? Because I love pleasing him. Not because I'm going to find out that if I don't please him, he's mad at me. Because I love to please him. That's my, that's my aim. That's my driving motivation. It is a precious love to me to please the Lord. And what will that look like when pleasing God is our precious love? Again, as we understand, let's get to the, the, the level of motivation here. When pleasing him is a, is a, is a precious love, what level of commitment are we talking about? We'll turn to Romans 12. If, if our desire is to please the one who enlisted us, then we will lay down our lives for him. It's really helpful that all of this fits in just a very soldierly sort of metaphor. You've got all these texts about pleasing the Lord. It talks about pleasing the Lord and what is pleasing to the Lord. You get very, it's very soldierly metaphors for your life. Uh, so it's a good thing to sort of to, to grab onto and keep that in your head. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. Been enlisted in the the army of the Lord, which uh, you know Jack makes us sing every time. I think that we do family worship. Uh, we have to sing about, and I want to think it's because he's really loving the sermon series, but I think it's just because he likes the song about being in the Lord's army. I don't know, um, but either way, Romans Romans 12, beginning in verse one. Remember, we looked at Romans 12 too uh, last week or, or the week before. I can't remember. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that, that, that we could do with the texture, but I want you to notice a couple things. One, the word there, acceptable, is the same word as pleasing in 2 Timothy. The same word is pleasing. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Here we see that our sacrificial lives are pleasing to the Lord. Holy and pleasing. You just wanted to write pleasing so you can remember, you know, connect the concordance dots for yourself there. So here, here Paul's saying, in light of all that God has done to save us, in, in light of Romans 1 to 11, especially 9 to 11, uh, in light of all of that, all that he's done to make us holy and make us pleasing to himself, what do we do? We give our lives as a sacrifice to him. He doesn't take our lives from us. He doesn't take our lives. As soldiers, the, the, the general, the, our, our, our general is not some Roman general, or not some, not some Russian general in World War I, or basically any war Russia's been in, I guess. Uh, I'm not, not some Russian, is just sort of sending us forward into the fight. Go, you're going to die for me. I'm your, I'm your general. I'm your king. You go and you do it. That's not what happens here. In light of what God's done for us, we give our lives to him. He doesn't take them from us. We give them to him. We love him and, and, and loving him, pleasing him is our precious love. So we present our bodies, it says to him. Our, our king who made us soldiers, our king who enlisted us, our king who's, who sent us off to war, we love him. We love the war. He is pleasing him is our precious love. So what do we do? We present our bodies to him. As living sacrifices. Paul says this is your. Now it, it says spiritual worship. But the, but, but the word there could be translated service. I actually think it should be translated uh, uh, service. I think it actually. You, you could translate it reasonable service. We could, get, we could debate the reasonable. But I think service here is good. Uh, and it fits with the, uh, the motif. I think the meaning of the word a little bit better. Let me show an example from earlier in Romans. Where you can see this. And I don't think worship is a great translation. I think service is a better translation. Look at Romans 1, 24 and 25. Romans 1, 24 and 25, it says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they changed, exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. Now, the word translated worship in Romans 12 by the Esva is translated service here in Romans 1. Because you would think, oh, there's the worship. That's going to be the same thing as worship in Romans. It's actually two different words. And here, the word for worship is actually a different word for worship. Here, the word for worship is a combination of words that means awe-inspiring. And, and I love that. I think that fits with what we tend to think of when we think of worship. I'm, whoa, I got awe-inspiring idea behind, behind worship. And that looks at, fits with what you see going on here in Romans 1. These people were in awe and service to creatures when they should have been in awe and in service to the Creator. So here, that same word they translate service here, I think should be translated service in Romans 12. And I think that's important because it's going to fit with our military and fighting themes here, but also fit with what Paul's telling uh, Timothy, you and I are in the Lord's service. So it is only a reasonable or a spiritual service 
to do. He, he has enlisted us. Our motivation is to please him. And so, since pleasing him is our precious love, what are we going to do? Our motivation is so deep that we lay down our lives for him. And the Lord says, that's your service, soldier. That's your service. That's your reasonable service. Because what has he done? He's the one who's given you this life. Romans 1 through 11. He's given you this life. Romans 9 through 11, especially. I mean, he's, he's given it to you despite yourself. He has enlisted you. He has ensoldered you. You didn't choose the soldier. He said, I'm going to be a soldier. Well, what do you want to be, soldier? Welcome here. He's enlisted us as soldiers. He has soldiered us. So in light of that, in, the one, in light of the one who took you out from being in the army of darkness and put you in the army of the sun, you look at him, you say, I, I, mean, I, should, I, should have, I should be facing eternal damnation and willfully so. But you have pulled me from the kingdom of darkness, put me in the kingdom of the sun, changed my heart, changed my will, changed my life. I want to serve you. That's just reasonable service. That's your service, soldier. Serve the one who's given you this life. That's what you've been enlisted to do. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear that on, if we die on the battlefield, that this spiritual war, in the midst of the spiritual war, that it's going to be some sort of waste for us, that, that, that we're going to find out, oh, you, you died on the battlefield because you thought the Lord was going to accept you, but he, he's actually not going to accept you. Like so many other religions have to worry about. You just have a conversation with almost any of these works-based religions, and it's just like, you know, that's why they normally, you know, uh, Islam or whomever will always say like, you know, uh, just go and die, and, and that'll help you out in the end here what do we know we know that our life is going to be acceptable to him why that our life is going to be pleasing to him why our sacrifice will be holy and pleasing to him how in the world can that be how can you and i be a sacrifice to the lord that is pleasing to him when we know how blemished we are when we know how much we failed in our fights, how can we know that our life, you can lay your life down for the one who's in this, you could do the reasonable thing and know it's going to be holy and pleasing to him. How can you know that? Because it already is holy and pleasing to him. We are already holy and pleasing to the Lord by the work of Christ. By the work of Christ, we are already holy. We're already pleasing to the Lord. So is, is it your goal to please the Lord? Is that your motivation? Is that your ambition? Is that your desire as a soldier like it should be? Then you will lay your life down. You will give your life to him in service to him. Not service to yourself. Not service to anyone else or anything else. Not service to some American dream or some desire that your parents had or some desire that you have. Your, your desire will be to serve him and him alone. Your life is a holy Pleasing sacrifice, set apart for his use, set apart to be used for him alone, given to please him and not anyone else. And the good thing is, since pleasing God is your precious love, since pleasing God is is the most precious love you have, then pleasing him is the most pleasing thing you can do with your life. When you lay down your life for the one who's enlisted you, you're you're not losing anything. Because your greatest desire is to please him. And so when you find out that you lay down your life to him, that pleases the one who enlisted you. And you can say, I, then laying down your life is the most pleasing thing you can do because it pleases the one that, that pleases you to please. How do we fight? We have to have the right motivation. We have to uh, be pleasing to the Lord. So committed to him that we willingly lay down our lives, knowing that he will be pleased by our sacrifice 
because he is pleased with his son. So our motivation to please the Lord, we please him uh, because it's our precious love. We, we please him uh, because that is our service to him. Uh, and, and lastly, and, and not lastly because it's least important, because it's most important and really like it, we please him because that's what Christ does. We please him because that's what Christ does. If our desire as Christians is to imitate Christ, then our desire will be to please the Lord in all that we do. Because that was Christ's own motivation. John chapter 8, verse 29. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Christ always does the things that are pleasing to the Father. Your captain in this battle, this commander of the Lord's army, of whom you now get to be a part of, so you're not just reading about this in the book of Exodus or the book of uh, Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, we all read about it. Joshua, commander of the Lord's army, yeah. Well, that's your commander in this army that you've been enlisted to. He is no hypocrite. His desire is to please the Father. You want to be a Christian? You want to be a, a follower of Christ? And that means pleasing the Lord must be your motivation. In fact, doing what pleases the Lord is what defines a Christian life. And guarantees that the Christian's prayers will be answered. I mean, we're not talking about prayer. You want to make sure your prayers are answered. What can you do? Live to please the Lord and your prayers will be answered. Live to please, make it your desire to please him. And guess what? All of your prayers are going to be prayers that desire to please him. What's your prayer going to be? Lord, let me please you. Lord, help me to know how to please you. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And we see that pleasing the Lord is what defines our Christian life. Pleasing the Lord is what guarantees our prayers. 1 John 3, 22 uh, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Here, here again, John's not saying here, hey, if you want to have your prayers answered, this is what you do. He says all of our prayers are answered because this is who we are. This is who, this is who Christians are. Christians are people who keep the Lord's commandments and do what pleases him. He's not saying Christian, and that's important for us to get in 1 John 3 here. And we could, let's, okay, let's go back to 1 John. Let's, 1 John, you know, we're going to go all the way through 1 John here. The, the point that he's saying here isn't, hey, do this. And this is like a talisman to get God to start answering your prayers. He says, hey, Christians, you're going to be confident that anything you ask for, God's going to do. Wow. Because... Because what? Because you do, you, because you keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So of course he's going to answer your prayers. This isn't saying you're, okay, this is what you do in order to get God to start answering prayers. This is who we are. Christians are people who do what God says, who keep God's commandments and who do what pleases the Lord. That just defines what Christians are because that defines who Christ was and it defines what every soldier in Christ has always been. What does a soldier do? He does whatever his master says. He keeps his commandments and does what pleases him. That's always been true of every soldier for their masters, for the ones who have enlisted. It's always been true. You keep their commandments and you do what pleases them. That was the motivation of Christ and it must be the motivation of his soldiers as well. So let me give you a few uses and we'll be done. A few uses for this and then uh, uh, we'll move into uh, some more practical applications of, of doing what, what pleases him next week. Uh, a few practical applications. One, you must live 
to please the Lord. You must live to please the Lord. That must be the motivation for all that you do. It must be your life. I live to please the Lord. What must you see as your chief end if you're going to fight well? Your chief end must be, I desire to please the Lord. That's what I want to do. That's how I make my decisions. That's how I live. I live to please Him. That's how you've got to live. Christian, you must live to please the Lord. Second thing, you must love to please the Lord. Pleasing the Lord must be not an obligation to you. Pleasing the Lord must be your precious love. It should not be that you're reading the commandments of your God and he's having to pull them out of you like so many teeth. It must be that you read the commandments of the Lord and you go, there, got it. That's what I do. That's what I've been looking for. Because this is what I've been wanting to do. I've been wanting to please him. Here it says in his word, pleasing him is to do this. So what will I do? I'll do that. Not because if I don't, it's law, but because this is, I want to please God. And since I want to please him, here it says, this pleases him. So that's what I do. This is what I, this is how I act. This is how I think. This is how I live. This is how I am as a child. This is how I am as a parent. This is how I am as a husband. Why? Because that's what pleases him. And I love to please him. It is a precious love to him. I love pleasing the Lord. Do you love the Lord? And because you love the Lord, you love the war that he has put you in. Do you see the blessings of being in this war? Then it will be your precious love to please the one who has enlisted you. You will make it your aim. You'll make it your precious love to please him. So you must live to please the Lord and you must love to please the Lord. And Christian, you must fulfill your service. Soldier of Christ, you must fulfill your service. To go AWOL is not an option. The soldier doesn't get to decide his assignment. The soldier does what he's been called to do. And from what, like we've seen in Romans 12, we've been called, we've been enlisted to be lambs. Lives sacrificed to God, holy and pleasing to Him. You don't get to not do that service. There are not levels of Christian service, those who give their lives and those who don't. They're either real soldiers who love the Lord, love pleasing Him, and they will lay down their lives because of His great mercies, because of what He's done for them. And so they happily, joyfully, pleasing themselves to please Him. They lay down their lives. You've got those who you don't, you got those who give their lives, and that's it for Christians. There's not those who give their lives and those who don't. Your life is either a sacrifice or you are not a soldier. You are not a servant. One of the most often, you know, misquoted, misapplied passages in Scripture where people say, man, I just want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. The problem I have with that is that sometimes people think that you can be a Christian and not hear that. When it says that Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats and to every sheep, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Meaning that if you're not a good and faithful servant, you're a goat. There's not like, there's not like these really good, like these really, so you're going to be this like kind of dirty lamb that kind of like limps in, you know, but I got in, it's a sheep, sheep, uh, man, you sure sound like a goat, uh, you know, that's, and, and then you got really good sheep, 
That these were sheep that did well done. These were the good and faithful sheep. No, the Lord says you're either a good and faithful servant or you're a goat. And soldier, you either give your life in service to your king or you don't because you're not really a soldier. Because the Bible describes not only what soldiers do, but what soldiers love to do. And if you've got neither the motivation nor the action to serve your king, then you're probably serving a different king. But you cannot look at your life, Christian, and say, I am not willing to lay down my life for my king. Because a real soldier is changed in heart and will, and they love to please their king. You must, you must fulfill your service. Your job is to obey your master and do what pleases him. And from John to Jesus, that's always been what describes the Christian life. John did not say, hey, Christians, you're going to get whatever you ask because I think some of you are keeping his commandments and some of you are doing what's pleasing to him. No, he says, look, this is when, if we're truly his, this is how we live. Because our hearts have been changed. Our motivations have been changed. Can you think of an argument that you could give where you go, well, Chris, I don't know if every Christian's really going to want to serve the Lord. <laughs> what? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that everyone's going to want to lay down their lives. It's certainly not an argument that Scripture makes. And it's certainly not one that even a logical person would make. Of course, a soldier is going to want to please the one who has enlisted them. That's got to be our motivation, not just in the fight, but in the war, not just in the heat of the moment, but in every moment. So so you must live to please the Lord. You must love to please the Lord. You must fulfill your service. And lastly, you must see it as a joy. See it as a joy. I say all this because, Christian, I want us to recognize there is no more pleasing life than to please the Lord. There is no more pleasing life you can have than to live to please the Lord. You might hear things like sacrifice and fighting and dying to yourself and keeping his commandments and do what pleases him. And when we live in this individualistic worldview that we've got thrown at us all the time, that, that Disney kind of puts in every movie, right? Like, uh, and, and you're like, oh, just live for you, just be you. And, and here you see, no, 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 live for him, die for him. Lay down your life for him. It can be easy to go, I don't know. That seems like, man, that must mean the Christian life is like really, really dour and horrible. And if you live a dour and horrible life now, you get, you know, you get a good life in the new heavens and the new earth. But that's not what scripture says. Scripture says it is a joy to get to live this Christian life. To live in a way that pleases your creator is the most pleasing life you can have. You will not find a more pleasing life. So you should see this call from the one who's enlisted you as a call from the one who's enlisted you because he loves you and because he created you. He knows what's good for you and he knows he is good for you. It is a precious love that we have. Desiring to please the Lord is a precious love. Cherish it. Feed it. Remember the precious nature of your love for the Lord. And it will help you to be delivered from evil. Let's pray. Just take a moment and ask the Lord to help you to see what type of soldier you've been. Confess any sins that he reveals to you, ways that you have not 
kept his commandments, ways that you have not done what is pleasing to him, accept that discipline. Repent of it. See it, see it for what it is. A, a, a loving general, a king who's revealing to you the way like, you did this and it wasn't pleasing to me. That was, this is all part of the, of the learning what pleases the Lord is learning what doesn't please him. And see that and hate that. Hate that sin because it will kill you and hate that sin because it causes you to live in a way that doesn't please the Lord. And for you, pleasing the Lord is your precious love, so you'll stay far away from that. You will certainly not love that sin because the love you have for that sin is nothing compared to the precious love you have in pleasing the one who enlisted you. There's nothing, nothing that will ever be so beautiful that it can pull your eyes off of the desire to please your God. And if he's revealing you a sinner and say, hey, look, soldier, this is where you've messed up. Here's where you failed in the fights. Here's where you're failing in the war. Look, change it. Confess and repent. And know that your confession is pleasing to him. Know that your repentance is pleasing to him. Do you live to please the Lord? When you look at your life, can you say, I live to please the Lord? Every moment of every day, that's what drives me. My desire, I live to please him. Are you just trying to please him some of the time? Are you just trying to please him in moments or situations? Look, let it be what drives every action that you do. And then not only are you living to please him, but do you love, do you love pleasing him? And if you're not sure, you just ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me to love pleasing. Help me, help make that my precious love. Because not only do I want to please you, Lord, I want to love pleasing you. And then admit to him your reasonable service. Admit to him you recognize that you owe him your life. All of it. Because he's given you eternity. Admit that laying down your life for him is, it only makes sense. It's reasonable. Because of what he's done for you. And confess if you've been holding on to it. Confess if you've tried to keep sections of your life or parts of your life and say, I will lay it all down for you. Because I desire to please you. Father, we come to you today. We, your, your soldiers, Father, those that you have enlisted, that you've pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness, put us in the kingdom of the sun. And Father, we want to serve you in a way that, that pleases you. We want to please you in all that we do. So, so, Father, not only do we want to please you, we want to love pleasing you. We want that to be our driving motivation, not just because it has to be, not just because it makes sense for it to be, because he's, he's our master, he's our king, but, to, but because we love doing it. That we would want to do it even if you didn't demand us to do it. Because of who you are. And because of who you've made us to be. Our eternity has changed, Father, because of you. Everything is different. All the things that should have been, all the bad has come untrue because of you. And we see how you're making all things new and we are part of that all things made new. 
And it brings a smile to our face to think about that, Father. How could we not lay everything down for you? And how could we not love doing it? Because it shows us just how real the change is in us. We who once worshipped and served the creature now rejoice that we worship and serve the creator who has enlisted us in his army. May we follow, may we follow our commander, may we follow our captain and seek to please you in all that we do. And may joy fill our hearts even now because we know as we seek to do this, we are setting foot on the most enjoyable life that we can have. The most pleasing life is the life that pleases you and the life that loves to please you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for enlisting us and then teaching us the joy of the life of a soldier of Christ. Help us to believe you. Help us to obey you. Help us to please you in all that we do. It's in the holy and pleasing name of Christ that we pray. Amen.